Bet365 sponsors Why Always Us, and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sports. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with the Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Well, if the Wolves game answered any questions about City's performances last season, then the Leicester game posed a whole raft more. One of the biggest ones being, what the fucking hell was that? Let's see if we can get you some answers then. This is Why Always Us, the Athletics Manchester City podcast. I'm David Booney. With me is Sam Lee. Hello. Hello, Sam. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We'll get there. We'll get there, won't we? Uh, For a limited time only, we're offering you the opportunity to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month. You can read all of Sam's great work on City and so much more, including the fallout from Sunday's game, which I think, Sam, you've you've titled... I I guess you don't do the headlines, but it's titled When Will City Learn? And that's perfect, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, I, I actually... Something flashed up into my head before the Wolves game, like that Barry Davis commentary from the World Cup in 2002. And he was like, the Italians are out because they will not learn. And I was like, I'm going to be able to use that for City at some point soon. And it wasn't the Wolves game. But then, yeah, it came it came to me last night on the way back from the Leicester game. And, yeah, probably sooner than I expected. Yeah, it's 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 the perfect title, really, for, for what that is. Um, yeah. and, a, and a pound a month as well, just for uh, to, to get access to that. Is, yeah, I'm uh, sorry, is... but that's mental. Like, <laughs> I, saw, I, I saw that when I was on holiday. I was told there was going to be like a big, like a big... Um, like sale, I guess. Um, but I didn't know to expect, expect that. Um, that's robbery, really. Um, <laughs> and I, but honestly, it surprises me every day when I see the adverts for it still on Facebook or Instagram. I'm like, are we still doing that? Yeah. But I mean, I, I guess it's just like, well, people can can pay that pound a month and then have it for a year and then get used to how good we are, hopefully. And then they're like, okay, well, I'm an athletic subscriber for life. So like, it's it's a it's certainly a great it's great value. Like. Even if you didn't read anything from this season, there'd probably be enough stuff on there from last season that wasn't even related to matches. To get your teeth into it. Yeah. Certainly value for money at, at that price. But even at like for any price, it's like it's just really good stuff. I'm clearly I'm not talking about my own work here. I'm talking about <laughs> That's not true at all. Your work's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, just go to the athletic.com forward slash man city pod to find out more. That's the athletic.com forward slash man city pod. You can sign up for the special price of just one pound a month. So, Sam, before we begin, uh, I just need to get a few things off my chest uh, yeah, because yeah. I noticed that after the game uh, on Sunday, Guardiola said that, uh, or he, his phrase was around the, the, the kind of idea that his players lacked patience. Um, they, they were playing pretty well in that first half. They conceded the only shot on, on target to go one in, uh, to go in the break at one all. And his his claim was that they weren't being patient enough to drag Leicester around the around the pitch. This is a man who is notorious for being cautious in everything that he does. Is this we talked on this podcast for for ages about his, how his decision making is is so about protecting 
you know, what the opposition are going to do. With that whole thing with the penalties, there was no way he was ever going to let Edison take one because it would yeah. leave an open goal, that sort of thing. This is a man who never makes early substitutions. We've talked about how his substitutions always seem to come too late. He spends the entire, you know, the entirety of his time planning for every little minutia that, that the opposition might do. He yeah. doesn't take risks with youngsters. He always kind of, that, that, that thought always seems to come back round to, well, I trust the senior players and they've, they've got the experience, so we'll go to them. He threw caution to the wind on 51 minutes, taking off Fernandinho for a 17-year-old striker making his Premier League debut to play a formation he never plays in 4-4-2 because, I mean, what? City weren't creating enough chances or they weren't passing it well enough or Leicester were defending too deeply even though they'd already started stepping up a little bit by that point. I mean, City hadn't been great, but they had been dominating the ball. They'd been largely controlling Leicester. Fernandinho leaves and it all falls apart. So like, would the same have happened if he'd taken Rodri off and, and, and this changed the system that way? Uh, would it, you know, why why did he feel that that was the that, that was the right time and, and, and place to do that? Given that doesn't sit with anything he's ever done before. Everyone on my Twitter feed at that point, and you know, myself included, was saying Fernandinho off feels like the wrong choice at this stage. When we all saw that that the lap was warming up, I thought, well, I wonder which of the attacking players is going to come off. And my my money was on you know Foden off, Sterling wide, the lap through the middle. That didn't happen. These defensive issues, and we said at the start about the the, the phrase "when will he learn?" The defensive defensive issues have been a constant now for about eighteen months. The protection against that that Fernandino and Rodri offered in the Wolves game was, you know, it, it answered a lot of those questions that you know that protected the defenders. So why break that up in, at, at such an early stage for someone who's so obsessed with controlling everything? Why did he have this galaxy brain moment on fifty one minutes when Leicester had been level for what was it thirteen minutes by that stage? It's, I, I just can't I, I can't get my head around it. And I, it feels like none of this will be solved just by having Laporte back and the signing of a centre-half that, that you know nobody had heard of until three days ago sort of thing. So I, I'm not... Am I, am I going mad here? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the annoying thing is it, it feels like this podcast is going to be like you saying all these things and then me giving answers, but... I could have easily done your bit. <laughs> uh, um, you know, you're not, you're not going mad. Um, I'm, I'm at a loss, really. Um, but at the, at the same time, I'm not. So, I mean, I, I came away from the stadium having a conversation with my editor just to kind of get everything in a line because these are not, these aren't new issues, are they? That's the, that's the, the nub of it. Like these aren't new issues, and it's like, well, I feel like I've talked about it a lot. And like, so if I'm going back 12 months to the Norwich game, I was speaking to an editor then, and like, there was a load of stuff on Twitter about, oh, well, if they defend like this, they're never gonna, they're never gonna retain the title, and they're never gonna win the Champions League. And I was like, well, they they won't keep defending like this. Like, <laughs> turns out they will. <laughs> like, they got past Rodri quite easily, but okay, uh, and like near post from a corner, okay, they're weak at that, but it's not gonna happen every game. And then individual error in the box with Otamendi giving it away. I was like, yeah, they, I was like, they're. they're they're not going to do that there. They, they'll be all right. Um, but obviously I was wrong. Um, and they, they do keep doing it. And that's what I mean. So that's why the headline of the article is, you know, when will Man City learn? Because these are things that, that keep happening. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to work out which, which, which bit that you said I should pick up on first. Um, well, so, let's, let, let's start. I mean, like a, a lot of people have been 
I, I'm not going to say a lot of people, actually. That's wrong. That's unfair. I, I, I've seen a few people on Twitter suggesting that this is just a bad day at the office. You know, he, he tried no, something, it didn't work, and there was penalties and individual errors. Yeah, but, you know, I'm as I'm as big a one for, like, devil's advocate and, okay, let's take a step back and it's not too bad. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. That's generally basically how I've kind of built my career as well as kind of information and transfer stuff, which is going well. <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as much as that, you know, it's kind of, it's just this kind of, I don't know, I don't know if it's necessarily sensible. Maybe it's quite anodyne or boring in, in a way, but you know, if people have come to me looking for a reaction sometimes as freelance stuff, I'll be like, well, you know, it's not as bad as everyone's making out. And there's, there's you know, there's this reason and there's this reason and we've got to take this into account. But I'm, I'm nowhere near that line of thinking with this. Um, I, it's impossible to say this without it sounding glib, but like you can't look past the injuries. Um, I suppose we'll get into this um, more in a bit when we talk about the impact a new defender will have, because clearly, I mean, it doesn't. I don't. I don't care who this defender is, whether it had been Koulibaly, you'd basically be expecting the new guy to perform miracles if this carries on. So when the players are back, you know, whether it's Aguero, whether it's Jesus. I mean, look, I, I I wrote the article last week saying I think they need a midfielder, and I do. But obviously, once they've got options back, at least with Bernardo Silva and Gundogan, there's you know there's ways there that they they can change things. So that might help. And obviously, the lack of a preseason, we knew, like we knew it wasn't ideal preparation. And just because they beat Wolves, it didn't mean that oh, actually, it, it's fine that they've not had this preseason. You know, they might not still be in the best condition. And with eight players out, or maybe seven because Laporte was on the bench. Um, it like some of the reasons are understandable, so I, I, I'm not like conceding that to the people who say, "Oh, it was one off." I'm just saying that is a factor. But there was a huge but, and it's not like it's not a bad day at the office. It's not. Um, it's not. Oh yeah, well you know, giving away penalties, these things can happen because if you look at the penalties, they were okay. The third one was slightly different, but basically the same. But the first two, so so the first one. There's got oh, God, who was it in the midfield? I can't remember who it was. Just nip past Fernandinho and then give the ball to to Barnes and Mares was trying to bring him down and couldn't. And then all of a sudden he was on the edge of the box. So like that midfield transition and you know they got through City's midfield way too quickly. And then Walker, I know like people around him pointed out earlier in the year when he was having a tough time that he doesn't make mistakes that lead to goals. And that's that is true. I mean there is definitely a feeling and maybe this is wrong that, that Walker's got a mistake in him. But um. To be fair, I, I no... think I think he's a bit unlucky there because I don't think he knows yeah. where Vardy is. That's, yeah, well, the, that's the problem. I think as much as anything, like as much as anything, there's a lot to talk about in this podcast. And even if it was a terrible mistake from him, he's as far as I'm concerned in that defence. Not so, uh, not so much with Aki, but if we're talking recent signings, Walker is basically the least of City's concerns. So whether he was bad for that or not. I'm, I'm, there's no, there's not, no much point wasting any time over it because he's the best right back they've got. He's one of the most reliable defenders they've got. So it is what it is. But the second one, they like City. City just went up the field, and it's not like they gave the ball away stupidly. It was actually quite a good ball from Rodri, um, and Mares took it in his stride like he does really well. I think he did it against Burnley at the restart when he took it in his stride, but he didn't quite get it out of his feet enough. Justin tackled him really well. But then all of a sudden, it was the same thing. So whether City had given it away stupidly or not, and they didn't in this case, the midfield was basically still out of the game. The attackers were out of the game. And it was just like, okay, well, Leicester are running at the defence now. Again, this is what we're talking about when we mean, it's okay, Ruben Diaz is coming in, but 
so what does that mean? He's just going to have to, okay, fine. You know, you'd like to think the new signer will be better than than a nineteen year old centre back or you know Mendy or whatever. But um, he's going to you know, he's going to be doing it a lot if this happens, and that's why I go back to it's not a, like a bad day at the office because again, same problems with the midfield where they give the ball away or the team play through them quickly and easily and then they're in on the defence and then the defence can't stand up to it. Like this is why Artemendi is like tailed off so badly because he's all right when he's being protected. It's impossible for me to say, oh yeah, well, the defence is blah, blah, blah because it's it genuinely is the whole thing. And then to go back to, was it a bad day at the office? It, it can't have been because it just happens too often. And like it's going to keep happening. Like I, I can't remember how positive we were after the Wolves game, but I'd like to think. Like, I, I remember us saying we might not even know if City are good for another ten or fifteen games, just because the way last season went, they would play well and quite promisingly, and then something would just go completely wrong the next game. They'd be shocking and lose, and then they'd win three or four games. And look, that clearly hasn't changed. But the only the thing I'm concerned about, and I imagine they'll they'll improve and you know win a few games again. Um, but I can't imagine they'll get worst too quickly um but 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 this is the problem as well when you look at the title like it doesn't look like like liverpool will i guess i guess drop a level maybe although we saw with city that after getting 100 points they can get 98 so maybe liverpool are capable of doing that but even if liverpool were to drop a few more points because of lack of motivation or they get injuries or um for you know, it's, just, it's such yeah. a mad season, yeah. It's it's not like City are there, bang, ready to go and take advantage because City have got so many problems of their own. They they're kind of they're not just hoping that Liverpool slip up, but they're hoping they sort themselves out. And I'm not sure that even buying a, another centre back and even another left back if they get one, I'm not I'm not sure that will have a great impact because it it does come down to the pressing and it does come down to. Um, the midfield set up. I don't. I think the pressing's easier to fix in the midfield set up. And actually, yesterday I thought it wasn't too bad, but Leicester were just better at playing through it. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, first off, on the penalties, if you were to tell me that City would concede three penalties in a game this season, I, I would, I would, I, I would take the bet that one of them or two of them were down to this new handball situation. But no, that, like it was just it was three cases of really, really stupid defending, and. Uh, th- what what I can't get my head around is is all of these defenders that are at City, they they were good enough when City bought them. Does that make sense? Uh, when when they came into City, they were good. They they're good enough defenders. So is it a case of no matter who you put in that defence, unless you are going to sort out the defensive midfield or or the the holding kind of situation in front of them? Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. What the way that if you play a high line like that and 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 don't protect them. Then you know you could have the world's four best defenders, and they will still struggle. Yeah, I, like it is possible. Obviously, if you, if you've got the world the world's four best defenders, or even like let's just say Walker, Laporte, and let's say Diaz is, and I, I you know, obviously we're we're working on an article for Diaz, so I've spoken to to people who have worked with him already today. One of my specific questions was, "What's he like when the midfield have been <laughs> taken out of the game, and he's got people running at him, and he's got a decision to make?" And you know, I've been told he's good at that. Um, I, 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 this might be really harsh. I kind of get Otamendi vibes from him in the sense that when they signed Otamendi, it was like, oh yeah, that really makes sense. But obviously in the wash, it, it, something didn't quite work there. Um, but no, I mean, he, he sounds promising and and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, let's, let's just say Diaz, Walker, Laporte, and let's say for argument's sake, they get a left back. And I, I do think they are trying. That's a good back four. But if you're asking them to do that 
I know this is a really round the houses way of answering the question, but if you're asking them to to do one on one defending, I don't know how many times a game would it be. Um, I, I'm trying because that's the thing I'm trying to work out actually if yesterday if there was a lot of that or if it was just whenever there was. I can't think of many chances shopping. that Leicester didn't take. No, they. I remember tweeting in the first half that Leicester played through City's counter press really well, and City kind of got away with it. Um, but I was like, okay, well, City is still in control, so it's okay. Um, but obviously, that was exactly Leicester's blueprint, and then they did it loads from then. Um, but oh, yeah, I would just basically, it's going to keep happening, and you could have the four best defenders in the world. And if they are asked, as you say, to keep doing one-on-one defending, and they keep not just one-on-one defending, but like really hard, like you're exposed, you really need to earn your corn kind of defending here. If they have to do that four or five times a game, then it's going to be tough even for the best players. And that's, that is the issue. Like that is, that is the issue. And that's why Guardiola has been trying to find that balance with his midfield. And that's why, so I suppose now is a good time to talk about the other element of your little mini rant at the start. Like we know all of last season, or most of last season, was Guardiola moving his midfield around. Fair enough, because he didn't have Fernandinho there, albeit because he felt he needed him in defence, but he didn't have Fernandinho there. He didn't have David Silva in a lot of big games, either because he was injured or Guardiola didn't feel Silva was right. So that's two-thirds of your best you know, title-winning midfielders out. And, you know, two-thirds of you know the, the most longevity Man City players, the, the most reliable midfielders. So he was trying to find answers for that. And obviously the double pivot was the answer. So then like, I'm not going to hammer him for getting the substitution wrong because I think as a manager, that can happen. But so out it's of character. just so out of character. And like in a sense, like normally my counterpoint would be, oh, well, we give him loads of praise when he gets substitutions right. Uh, we should give him criticism when he gets them wrong. But he's not ever really been a manager that gets substitutions right because he doesn't have to. He very rarely generally. needs to, does he? That's yeah, the, exactly. Like, his, his initial I'll, setup usually works. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like he'll do other things, like he'll make a tactical change with the players he's already got, but he's not a manager to do something like, like as, as kind of obvious as take off a defensive midfielder and put a striker up front. Like it was just, so I'm not bothered really that it didn't work. I mean, we can say that it was a it was a bad mistake, and I suppose the only thing we could read into that is last season when these problems were starting out, Guardiola was like, "Oh, I've got a good idea. Next season will be better." But like, it's not on on the current evidence, at least, it's not better, um, and it, it needs to be. And Guardiola's the one that needs to come up with the answers. So the only thing I could read into that substitution is if that's what he thinks is going to make things better, then. Things are going to get brutal, but I mean that might be, you know that's that might be a bit of a leap. But yes, yeah, so never mind getting it wrong. It's just so out of character. It's, I don't get it, and I wonder. Like I asked him after the game, why? Like in a, just in the kind of look. I'm not saying you've fucked this because I know you hate that, but what was the thinking? And he just said we needed someone else in the box, which is fine. Couldn't argue with. And he just said um, he thought um, Walker would cover the the counter attack from Barnes. He said as he had as he had been doing. Um, that was about all he said. The only thing I could maybe add to that and answer on his behalf, which obviously I've no idea if this is true or not, but there's a lot of people are saying, I didn't see this in the stadium, but a lot of people were saying he spent a lot of the first half like arguing with Fernandinho or like not arguing, but maybe 
you know, ex- like heated exchanges or whatever about what they should be doing. So maybe he felt that Fernandinho wasn't offering that kind of protection anyway. And look, in fairness, like I mentioned, for the first, for the pa- for yeah, first penalty, for the first penalty, they just skipped past him well, well easily. So maybe he was thinking, well, Fernandinho is not really doing too much anyway. Walker can do it because look, it's not just Walker against Barnes on the day, but it's Walker against like how many times has he locked down like Wilfred Zaha or players like that? He can he can do that. So presumably Guardiola was thinking, well, Fernandinho is not doing much anyway. Walker's good enough at that. We do need somebody in the box. This is what I'll do. So I'm I'm kind of I'm okay with the logic. But fifty one minutes though. Yeah, like they weren't even losing. So I'd kind of forgotten in the haze of the match. I'd assumed that they were two one down when he'd done that. But they weren't even losing. And like, uh, this is this is Guardiola who wouldn't bring on. Just this is just Monday night example, but it could be any game, and he could probably use Foden in recent years. But he wouldn't bring on Delap on Monday night um, because the game was only two 0 to City. And when you're only two 0 up, when you're Guardiola, that that game is in the balance. And I think it was was it the Brighton game last year when he could have brought on Foden, but he brought on Bernardo. Yeah, and that was three 0 there. Uh, obviously, part of that was to keep Bernardo's spirits up because he hadn't been starting or whatever. But that was 3-0. It was like, look, if there's any chance at all of, of the game going against City, he's not going to risk... It's risk-averse, isn't he? That's by bringing a kid on. And just to do it when one all, like, again, like, and I suppose this is bad because, I don't know, like, there there were reasons. I know you were saying a lot of your timeline was saying it was the wrong decision to make. But I don't know, I feel like... The logic was there, and I feel like it might have worked. And if, if I feel like people would have been talking about, oh, Guardiola actually made a change there, the kind of change we want to see, bringing on a kid, more proactive, um, getting rid of the double pivot, which people don't like. And because, look, if City had have scored another goal, he might have got praise for him, and, you know, it would have been like a new era of Man City or whatever. But, I mean, I mean, it couldn't have been further from what actually happened, could it? Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size at the styles you like and everything at the price you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. It's a completely different way to shop and it's all about you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic to set up your profile and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for you. You'll pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. Schedule at any time with no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that aren't right for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. The point where he did, he, he did the change, I was sat watching the TV and I thought, this is either going to be great and bold or mm. uh, this has got the potential to fall apart. And with, what was it, two goals in four minutes straight after that substitution? <laughs> yeah, I, and I was thinking, I didn't have the bottle to do it just in case it City were fine and I look stupid again after the um, Eric Garcia thing. But after after it was 2-1, I was like, this has got the feel of one of those games that could really unravel. And then as I was kind of umming and ahhing about tweeting, they um, got the got the second penalty. And I was like, well, there we go. And, and I suppose we can maybe move on this debate a bit to another issue. Like with half an hour to go and it was 3-1, I was like, there's no way City are getting anything out of this. There's just no way. Like I was like, there's no way. And I, I don't bet very often, but I was watching the Chelsea game on on Saturday and about five minutes before half time when they were 3-0 down, I was like, I'm going to put a five on Chelsea to win this because I think 
if they can get a goal back, West Brom will, you know, they'll try and dig in for more than what they've got. Chelsea have got enough quality. They were making enough opportunities anyway. I can see them doing it. Um, a, a, a betting on them winning is, you know, better odds than a draw. Put a fiver on it. Try and win 85 quid. In the end, obviously, that didn't happen. But there was I just had that feeling with Chelsea that they were going to do it. That they, that they had something in them. Look, even if they'd have lost 3-2, that they had something in them to keep creating the chances and that the flow of the game would have allowed them to get a bit of momentum up. But, we'll but this, this is an age-old like, problem no with City. Doing it. Exactly, and that's why. Like, It's not because... Look, if, I'd, if that had been the first game I'd ever seen of City, I'd have probably said, well, they've got a few good players here. You know, Maybe they could. But as well as the flow of the game itself, um, but as you say the theme of, it just doesn't really happen, does it? When, like, when games are going against City, they find it really hard to wrestle that game back. That, that, that's, yeah. been a, that's been a consistent, I think, since... I mean, I don't I don't remember Pellegrini's City doing it. And, like, Mancini's City could get a game back. But, I, like, I just don't... I, I don't see... I, I guess Guardiola City haven't had to do it that often other than the last, kind of, 18 months or so. Um, but it just, it just feels like the... I mean, they weren't creating many chances anyway. And let's be honest, if Fernandinho scores that header in the in the first half and makes it 2-0, it's an entirely different game. He probably doesn't have to make that sub on 51 minutes and everything changes. But it's like other than that, what what else did Schmeichel have to do? They weren't they weren't yeah, no, they, they weren't in they weren't in the game in a in a they had the ball and they were moving it around the final third, but they were not that dangerous. Yeah, um, no, exactly. And that's kind of why I was thinking, well, it's just not happening. So like I say, in the game itself, there wasn't really enough there to make me think, yeah, this is going to happen. And the only kind of half chance, I suppose, in that second half was the Delap header, when it was like, that's actually, I've not seen a City striker win a header like that. Well, properly, since I've been covering the club, I don't think, which is five years. Um, but yeah, and yeah, it just goes back to that, like you say. Um, it's just not something that they do. It's just not a way that, that City normally win games. Um, obviously, there have been a couple of exceptions. Obviously, there have been. Um, and it's not like they're a complete lost cause. But yesterday, I was just like, this, this this just isn't happening, is it? And it goes to show that even when they got one back at 4-2, it was like, okay, well, it, that is too late. They're not going to they're, they're not gonna do it. It's too late. But not just do they not do it, but they gave them another one. Like, <laughs> and that was just because, like I say, the third penalties were a bit, a bit different because it wasn't a transition, but it was just the way they used the ball. And it was just like, just ran off the back of of Rodri, um, and just but just the way Mendy was like, oh god! Um, but it was almost, it was almost like Mendy waited until he that old cliche of he he waited to get in the box till he till he brought him down. It was just it was just mad, and that's the other thing. Like even what he was saying about Walker at the start, like I was a bit unlucky because he didn't know where where Vardy is. Like for none of the penalties, like did any of the City defenders know where the where the runner was? And again, it's just that's not good. It yeah. was just, it was, it wasn't good. Um, and the fact that it was the first time that a Guardiola team would have conceded five goals, um, it, it's almost one of those kind of twittery stats that make a defeat worse. But I, I think I was kind of just, I think it, it needed that kind of exclamation point on the end of the game, um, just to kind of highlight that, I don't know, in a way that it wasn't even just, oh, this, is, this has happened a bit last season. It's like, well, this happened a bit last season. And look, if you want to know about City this year, you need to know about this. Because I saw people were like, oh God, I've just seen the City score. What's going on? And my mates I was seeing on WhatsApp, they're going, oh God, well, look at that City score. But 
like in a way, I wasn't surprised. Like when people yeah, like, when you've if, when you've watched the game and seen how it's played out, it's not uncommon with everything that happened last season. Yeah, like I when saw, you like, see the Sid, result in isolation, it's different. Yeah, exactly. But I saw like Sid Low tweeting like I don't know, like ten o'clock at night. It was oh god, I've just seen the city score. Like yeah, because I was like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Again, maybe if I'd seen the score, I'd be like bloody hell, what's happened there? But if I was to if I was on holiday, and missed the game, and saw it, I'd be like, oh, I know what's happened there. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I know how that's panned out. And that's the issues. That's what I mean in terms of this whole five goals thing. People now who haven't really been paying too much attention to City, they will be looking at it and going, yeah, okay, that is that is something we need to know about Man City this year because it's not, it's really just not a one-off, is it? No, not at all. Um, the other problem, Sam, I, I, I want to, maybe this is too big a question to, to kind of get into for the final part of the show, but... How have City got themselves into this position of the work that needs to be done to the squad? It feels like it feels again like there's three or four players that need to be moved on and three or four fresh faces need to come in. You've said already they 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 probably should be looking at a left back. They're you know in the process of signing a centre back. They probably need another striker, another midfielder. They've spent so much in so many summers in the last 10 years or so. And yet it always ends up with the cycle coming to an end and it, it, it needing a refresh. I think of, of kind of like 12, 13, the final Mancini season, you think, well, okay, they, they needed a reboot then. They needed a reboot in 15, 16 in Pellegrini's final season. And they, they we thought they got that with Sterling and De Bruyne and then they just hadn't. And then 16, 17, Guardiola arrives and we, we look at his summer business and thought, okay, well, it's maybe not everything he wanted to do, but they've got a few faces in. They needed to do it again at the end of that season. And now, I mean, three years on again, we're looking at it again. They need to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, first of all, it's really difficult from my point of view because whenever, and look, this is kind of, I remember writing the post-Leon thing really recently. Um, but I remember doing like the season preview a few weeks ago and after the Wolves game and obviously now. And like, they definitely need more players. But at the same time, it's like, you can't just like from an outsider point of view, if any like Liverpool fans are listening to this or United fans or whatever, or reading my articles, I wouldn't want them to think I'm just saying, Oh yeah, well all you need to do is spend more money. Because Christ, like like you say, there's there's been enough. Um so it's it's a difficult balance to find in terms of saying, Well, they need this and they need that, but oh yeah, we but they've got loads of good players already. So then in terms of the answer to to how, um I don't know, like because because in one sense it's it's quite easy. Like, there's like a little subsection of um, understandable by didn't work out. Um, I suppose like Bravo, the goalkeeper thing isn't an issue, but Bravo is a good example of that. You can, yeah. In terms of changing the style of goalkeeper and the players they could get, that's you know that was one. But John work. Stones, yeah. John Stones. Okay, in hindsight, it might have been a, a bad buy. I mean, look, he might he might end up staying. God knows what's going on. Um, but he might. Um, um, it might go down as a bad buy, but you could see what they wanted there. You know, young and English, you know, big, strong, quick enough, good on the ball. Um, the logic was there, you know, work with Guardiola and maybe this is what we come back to. Maybe, you know, maybe he's not done enough. I don't know. Um, but he's done enough for a lot of players. Maybe not in all cases. Maybe that's one answer. Um, but with Stones, it just hasn't worked out, I guess you'd say, for various reasons. You know, he's, and we were talking probably we probably mentioned it after the Wolves game and people were like, again, people keep falling into this trap. It actually does my head in. People are like, oh, well, if Stones plays like this all season, then they'll be right. Just sh- shut up. Like, shut up. Have you not seen him play? And now we've seen, like, he, he didn't make a mistake uh, or anything like that. It, it was just, 
He was injured. Like This is another thing. This is why you can't rely on him. And I remember the Leicester game last year with Mendy. So Mendy, again, not a bad buy. Very unlucky with injuries. Like, what can you say? Like, you can't know somebody was going to do their knee twice. Like, yeah. it's just it's just how it is. And look, you may, I think they knew he was a bit of a, a maverick, but I think they hoped that moving away from his mates and stuff um, and the environment he was at at Monaco and coming might, over with might Bernardo yeah. would help him. I mean, fine, they're wrong about that. But at the end of the day... He was still a maniac off the pitch in in his first games of that season and the first games of the season after when he was really good, like really good. But so the injuries have done him. So that's part of the reason why they're in that boat. Um, but again, I remember the Leicester game last year when people were like, oh, Mendy played quite well. Um, I remember I'd written an article saying, City need a left back. Um, but why do they always have to be 50 million? Maybe they could just buy someone for 20 million for once. And they were like, oh, well, Mendy played really well in this game. And if he can... Shut up, again. Like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, we know, like... We've seen this guy, and look, to be fair, with Mendy, there was a bit more of evidence to say, okay, he might be all right with if he gets a run. But, like, I don't want to hear, like, it, it was going on, like, even the, the, towards the end of last season. I don't want to hear any of this. Oh, no, he'll be all right if he can do this. Never mind that if. He's not the same player anymore. He can't get, like, I, okay, God, it sounds like I'm a proper gambler. I'm really not. But I remember the start of, <laughs> I remember the start of the 98 point season, you know, the, the quadruple season. Um, he put, did he get two assists against Arsenal or just the one? Um, but I was like, I put money on him to get like the most assists because it was like 50 to one or something. And I was like, well, this guy's a machine. You know, he just put the balls he puts into the box. are just incredible. He creates so many chances. And like, not just that, but you know, that Arsenal game, he played through the middle. Um, and then he went, he, he was outside when he needs to be. He was inside when he needs to be. Like Guardiola changed tactics loads of times in the first like five or six games. And it was all because Mendy could basically lock down that, Whole flank by himself. Yeah. He's just not that. He's just not that player anymore. Like, I'm. I'm trying to think. Like, if, if if his agent was listening to this, or if Mendy was listening to this, they'd they'd call me a dickhead or something. But I'm sorry, but he just isn't, is he? Like, he's not that player anymore. And I, unfortunately for him, I don't think he's like that's not coming back, is it? So forget that. Like, forget Mendy. And unfor- unfortunately, again, forget Stones because of the injury problems, the consistency problems. Look, there's there's more of a chance this season that Stones comes back and proves me wrong. But I'm not buying it at all. Um, these are the these are the signings I'm saying were pretty good. <laughs> imagine, what <I'm, laughs> imagine what I'm going to say about the others. Like, like I don't know. Like I say about Mendy, you could probably see because he, he he made a lot of passes when he was at Valencia. I remember looking at him when he when he signed for City. I don't think I was fully covering the club at the time, but I remember looking. He played a lot of passes. He saw a lot of the ball. Big, strong, good in the air. Um, aggressive, a bit aggressive. Um, so I could kind of see what they were after there. I don't know if it's not worked out because of circumstances or whatever, um, or I don't know, maybe they didn't look to see if he was actually good enough under pressure or look, maybe they just broke him because the amount of, the amount of defending they're actually yeah. asking him to do, they just broke the poor sod. I don't know. Um, um, right backs. Well, I'm sorry, but the fullbacks go back to Danny Alves. All of them, because they got Danilo in the end. Um, they wanted to get Danny Alves, Walker, Mendy, and Bertrand, but obviously, when Danny Alves, who was going to be free, didn't come, they were like, "Well, we haven't got the money to get four now, with one of them being free, so we'll get Mendy and Walker as obviously the first choice. They're about fifty million and good players, um, and we'll get Danilo, who can play right back and he can play left back if needed." Um, so they got Danilo, and then he obviously wanted to leave towards the end of that um, quadruple season. So they got Cancelo in, and people were like, well, "What was the point in that?" But at the end of the day, Danilo wanted to go, yeah. and they kind of and it, again. So 
there's these stats about Guardiola spent so much money on defenders and like it's look, it's not good. I'm not trying to spin it and say it's good, but it's like you, well, you're going to add on Danilo and Cancelo there on top of each other, and it's almost like. But you just can't you can't really do that because like Danilo wanted to go, so they banked however much they got for him. I've got thirty eight million in my head. I'm not I, sure can't, I can't remember what the fee was. It was, it was about sixty, though, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so it was about like twenty million net or whatever. But anyway, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to spin it. It's just like it's just a bit of a quirk. So then, yeah, so they ended up with Cancelo, and like, <sighs> Cancelo is the jury's still out. Let's just say I used that phrase in my article. I suppose that's the best way of putting it, especially to save time. And then obviously the left back situation. Danilo barely played there. Uh, they preferred Delph, and Delph worked for a bit, and then he got sent off at Leicester. And Guardiola was like, "You're basically never playing again." And did he did he get sent off? I might be confusing my season. No, he got sent off at Wigan the season before, didn't he? he and did, then he got yeah. sent off at Leicester like eleven months later, and he was like, "Right, you're done." And then that's when Zinchenko kind of came in and only really played. He was really good, but like even going into the start of last season when he was number eleven. It was kind of assumed that he'd been really good at left back for ages, but he was only the second half of the season before. And then obviously, he didn't play particularly well last year, and he's got to the stage now where City are going to sell him if they can. I mean, I haven't even answered the question of how he got to this. I don't know. And like Rodri, I feel like we better address Rodri because there's a lot of focus on him. In fact, I'm looking at Twitter now, and he's still trending now, and this is quarter three on Monday. Um, the thing is, I don't really think it's Rodri's fault. I don't think at the moment, and this might not be a great thing to say about him, but I don't think he, at the moment he's suited to what City need. But I don't think that's necessarily his fault because I remember I wrote first game of last season, this, and I've said this a million times, and I've probably done it to death to be fair, but the staff knew that Rodri was going to need time to adapt in the sense of he needed to realise when he's under pressure or when people are running at him or when, I don't know, if you know they've played out and the, the striker or the midfielder's got their back to him. He needs to work out when he's going to push up and challenge and risk leaving a space behind him or when he's going to hold his ground to stop people playing around him. So they knew there was going to be that. They knew he would need that period of adaptation in his first season. Um, But again, like we're saying about, you know, maybe they broke Otamendi and all the other defenders with the amount of pressure they're put under. I do put Rodri in the same boat because as everybody acknowledged last season, the pressing wasn't the same. So if the forwards aren't winning... As, or stopping as many attacks by fair means or foul. Or even, you know, we've seen it before with David Silva and, and to a lesser extent De Bruyne. They would, you know, try and make those counter presses. They would make those tackles or tactical fouls. And they were happening less. So they were already like... So basically, if this had been prime Fernandinho, he would have already been overworked. And I remember reading stats. I think it was midway through the quadruple season. There was something on Stats Bomb about how the work Fernandinho was doing, or like he was doing much more defensive work 18 months ago than he had been throughout the 100-point season yeah. and the first half of the second season. Or something like he was doing much more defensive work. But obviously, because it was Fernandinho, that was still all right. And then obviously, when he didn't play over Christmas and they lost those back-to-back games against Palace and Leicester, I was thinking, oh, right. oh okay, they've got a problem here. And then and then where I've, did they have, they have the not- running without him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think Gundogan kind of learned that role and did it much better. Um, but yeah, I know I know what you mean. It's not like a perfect graph of... It's not like a perfect correlation of Fernandinho's age declining and City's shitness going up. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. that. But it's kind of, like there was evidence to say that even when things were going well for City, the defensive midfielder was doing much more work. And now they've put in a defensive midfielder who they already knew would need time to adapt. And again, in terms of factors that aren't his fault, he's young... He's new to the league. 
Uh, he needs time to obviously to get to grips with those weaknesses, but to get to grips with the rest of the team. But also, he's got so much more work that than they ever expected, and it's the work that he's not actually particularly good at at the moment. Um, and he doesn't look particularly mobile anyway. And I suppose the other element is like, he obviously wasn't City's first choice in terms of defensive midfielders because they wanted Jorginho, they wanted Frankie De Jong, who was more of a kind of like generational talent. Let's go and get him. But the the thinking there was. Well, it's, it's it's great having Fernandinho who can put out so many fires. But if you can control a game with your passing, then you don't have so many fires to put out. But it's really not worked like that. Like yeah. it hasn't worked like that. Um, I mean, at the moment, I wouldn't say like he's not the metronome of the team either, is he? It's not like his passing is that that good. Like De Jong could have been. I know he's kind of gone off the radar a bit with Barca's problems and Jorginho has not always had it easy at Chelsea and he didn't play at the weekend. But like you can see with those players and even Jorginho at Chelsea, he was the conductor. But like Rodri's not even being able to be the conductor anyway and you don't get the defensive side of it that you need. So he is a problem in the team at the moment, which is going to sound very harsh. But I don't think it's actually 100% his fault. But at the same time, you're looking at it thinking... You still so, got to play the hand you dealt. That's the problem. Yeah, though. yeah, you have. Yeah. But, but that's why City have ended up putting you know Gundogan next to him or Fernandinho next to him, and that's why it was so weird again that Guardiola took that shield away from him, um, that extra help. Um, it was it was important to address Rodri, I think, because I think he's getting a lot of stick. I'm going to try and click on the trends now and and see what's said. Uh, to be fair, it's his quote about Leicester. Basically, he, yeah, him and Guardiola were very dismissive about the way Leicester played, but it's like they. They didn't just just park the bus, though, did they? they no, didn't they just were. They, park they, the bus. they might have nicked a two-one, but like they wait for their chances. And then, like I said, it's a very yeah. very intelligent performance. It was a, it was um, a very intelligent way to dismantle City, knowing yeah, what like, City's problems were. Yeah, and like there was an element of well, when City do put you under pressure, use the ability in your own team. You know, use the good players. Like Castagna, I think, is a really good right back. But like Tielemans and Pratt in the middle, obviously Pratt went off injured. Um, and obviously Barnes and Madison when he came on, like use those threats to actually play through City. And that's why they scored five. It wasn't like they just parked the bus and, and I don't know, nicked one all draw or a one nil win. They were they were really good. So I think that's why Rodri's trended actually. But it, it's important to it's important to say that or acknowledge that he is an issue in this team. Yeah. But like I say, with everything, that's not necessarily his fault. But at the end of the day, it, it is it is something that needs fixing. And unless it's going to be a double pivot, I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, unless, unless he goes back to playing Gundogan at the base of the midfield on his own, like he did at the end of that quadruple season, and it worked really well. Like maybe that's the way of doing. Maybe it. that's the answer. I don't. And know. I'd, I'd be fine with that, to be fair. Time now to tell you a little bit about our sponsors, Harry's. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors, and they've now released their sharpest ever blades and added a new lubricating strip for an even closer, more comfortable shave. The best part? They haven't raised prices, so replacement blades are still as little as £1.75 each. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. And Sam, this got me thinking, who who out of the City Squad do you reckon could do with a decent shave? Who looks like they they, they could do with a you know a bit of a, a bit of a clean up around the face. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Otamendi, I guess, is he's the only one I can think of that actually has a beard or facial hair. Does Aguero have it sometimes? Are you you not got not got beard envy at all, there, have you? Uh, I haven't. I haven't thought about it. Mine is mine is what it is. It's not coming off because that would look even worse. But sadly, it's not getting any better. So it is what it is. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, and I'll use the razor to 
to, to trim underneath and keep it tight. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, as a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support the show and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash why always us right now. That's harrys.com forward slash why always us. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. A lot of people are suggesting that uh, one of the reasons City have struggled in the transfer market. I mean, it's a, it's a weird transfer market as it is anyway. You've got the COVID factor. You know, you've got the the the, the way the seasons have been squashed together. But, you know, it, it rumbled on throughout the summer. City were chasing Koulibaly. They didn't get him. They were chasing Koundé. You know, they they didn't get him. It, it, like The Messi saga happened and was and was ongoing. It, like The suggestion has been that uh, City have kind of they haven't done all they can to give Guardiola the tools that he needs for the final season that that that, that he's at the club for, unless he you know signs a, signs an extension. And I kind of understand that that kind of attitude of if you're not going to like if he's even if he's staying or even if he's not staying, why not back him for one last kind of hurrah that sort of thing? But on top of all of that, now they're in a position where they've probably got work to be done, and it's their time to do enough work before the window closes now. Yeah. Well, again, so in, first of all, I don't think. I, I think the way this should work is that it should be irrelevant for um, whether Guardiola's staying or going because they've got a director of football. So they should know the kind of style. and like, Cheeky does know the kind of style he wants from the next manager. So it shouldn't matter. Like The only thing that should matter really is if they think, well, Koulibaly's not going to... Obviously, it's irrelevant now, but Koulibaly's not going to be the one to, to lead us into a new area with a new manager, so maybe we're not going to do it. But other than that, it's basically well, we're going to make these signings and they can work for Pep and they can work for the next guy. Um, it's it's tough, again, because on the one hand, I'll say they didn't make... in They kind of did make the same mistake with Koulibaly in the sense that what did they hope they were going to achieve going to Napoli again? And if they did only bid 60 million, which is what I was told, but I would, I'd like to properly confirm that. If they did only bid 60 million, then I'm thinking, and, you know, and that was three weeks ago as we speak like what were you doing in all that time if he if he's your if he's your top target and the budget is there and like you you want to make sure that you have got the best possible opportunity for this season surely surely there comes a point where you have to be willing to negotiate upwards if sixty yeah. million is the breaking point, then it was never going to work, never going to happen, was it? No, I mean, I, and I do think the money was there. Like, I know people are are going back to, oh, you said there was three hundred billion to spend. I was like, well, I said there was, um, I, I said there was, they might spend three hundred million, but obviously it will be boosted by sales, and and if they get all their targets, kind of thing. Um, I mean, look, mate, I, I still think that was fine. Maybe it was bollocks. I don't think so. Um, there's, you know, there's been recent developments in the transfer window that makes me think. Oh God, have you had a shocker this summer? But no, I think there, there was definitely the money there. And like, why? And again, I think the handy thing for me to know there is obviously about Mubarak 
saying they'll make more signings. And obviously the other element of they wanted Messi. Now, what were they going to sign Messi with? Whether it was just his wages or 100 million as well. What's, well what were they going to sign Messi with? Obviously yeah. the money was there. What's changed? Maybe the fact that there's no fans in the stadium for another six months. Maybe they're thinking, we can't, we can't do that. Um, maybe that's an element to it. Maybe they've, they're getting a, a signing elsewhere and they think, okay, we need, we need to split the money a bit more effectively. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. But in terms of, so yeah, if, if 60 million was the most they went to for Koulibaly and it took them until the just before the season started, then that's not great. But they learned from their mistake in the sense that they've not just gone, okay, well, we couldn't get anyone, which is what they did with Jorginho and Harry Maguire. They've actually moved on. So it sounds like they, they made a second inquiry for Jimenez. Uh, Atletico, and they just got told to pay the clause, which they were never obviously never going to be able to afford. And then they went to Kunde, which everyone thought, okay, well they've gone to Kunde now, and that's what it's going to be. But obviously, it got to a point where they it was absolutely imperative that they included Otamendi in the deal. So they basically found a defender that they like, and they've looked at Diaz before, like definitely a few times, but somebody who would crucially take Otamendi, which is kind of like and we talked about this before. Like how have they got to the start of the season with? When it's not they best needed case to scenario, find a home like, it's just, for Otamendi. Oh. Like, they, they couldn't get rid of him last summer because nobody could afford his wages, and they knew they needed to sell him this summer. So why didn't they reach this deal with him where they go, you go and find someone who'll pay you whatever, and we'll just pay the rest of it. And like I'm seeing the rumour now that they paid him two, like two million euros to say goodbye. Why didn't they agree with that with him ages ago when he could have yeah. gone, you know, when they were talking about Porter or Inter or whoever else couldn't afford his wages? Or like even severe, just just sort it out, and then so it means you've got the money, or you've you've either banked the money for him, or you've got the wages off the books, whatever you need, and then you could go and get a, a, the signing you actually want, because as good as, as Ruben Diaz may be, nobody can say he was their first choice, because he just wasn't. Um, and look, there's a week of the window left. If they do get this left back over the line, then people will be a lot happier. Um, I suppose in in, ter- in terms of like full transparency, if they get this left back over the line only because they've made a late push because they think actually we do need one and they were willing to gamble before that, then I'd say they're stupid, but at least they did the right thing. Um, but if they if it just takes so long to get a left back for whatever reason, then it's kind of unavoidable. But um, it's not been it's not been the best preparations at all, um, yeah. really. And like given given we know or I know, I'm I'm still confident in saying it that they were. So, like, this is what we're going to do, and these are the targets we're going to get, and this is how we're going to go and do it. And then for it not to turn out like that, unless they really did need to be sensible because of like some COVID finance stuff, or because, like, a Jorginho example, where not Napoli this time, but say they were going to buy a left back and somebody pulled out at the last minute or something, like Laporte in 2016 or whatever, um, maybe they can't be blamed for that. But I, I don't know. It's a bit, I can't. The best way to sum it up is with Diaz. Like on the one hand, I think fair play that they haven't just admitted defeat and they have gone and bought somebody. But I also do think there's a, a, an element of desperation in there. Yeah, um, so I think it's a bit of both. Final final bit for this week's show. Uh, it's Leeds next weekend. Uh, Guardiola versus Bielsa. So both trying to out galaxy brain each other on the touchline. It's it's going to be like two galaxy brains traveling at light speed. This one, isn't it? Yeah. Although doesn't Bielsa just play the same way all the time? Well, I'm, right? I'm, a friend of mine's a Leeds fan, and he said he's made some pretty odd decisions. Maybe that's where Pep picked up this one from. Hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Christ, like if they haven't signed a left back by then or somebody else, whatever, 
and City don't win that game, then it's, it's going to be a meltdown, isn't it? It's going to be a proper meltdown the, um, next weekend. Um, <laughs> but look, it's easy. Like I said this at the start of the season, it's easy to kind of get into this negative spiral and all of a sudden they can get a win and turn things around. So I don't want to get too, well, I, I, okay then. too uh, down on things, but it's a worry, isn't it? Like, I, even I'll, I'll say this then. Um, Leeds is a worry. Can you give me something positive to finish on? And I say that as kind of like the crying with laughter emoji question at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, eight players injured. Like Aguero will be back at some point soon. I still, I still think it's sooner than the two months that Guardiola said. Um, Gabriel Jesus, oh, look, we don't know about his um, finishing the hundred percent of the time, but he, he started the season while at Wolves. He's a good, he's a good player to have. They need him. Another option, um, yeah. Other options in midfield. Laporte coming back, a new signing, and Diaz. I, I've seen too many people on Twitter say he's crap, so I'm a bit concerned. But the people I'm speaking to and the Jack Lang speaking to, you know, they they. They they say he's good at least. So, yeah, look, there's there's signings that City need to make that are going to happen in terms of Diaz, maybe a left back, who knows? Um, and there's going to be good players returning to the squad. Um, I can't sit here and tell you everything's going to be okay because at the end of the day, those players were in the squad last year and they had similar issues. But I'm not sure there is a but. All <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, right, fine, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure there is a but. I'm not sure. I, I can't sit here like. We're starting to I'm feel not, good I'm as well. Saying, I know. I'm not saying City aren't going to win the league this year, but I'm not going to sit and say... Um, it's the second game of the season. They're definitely going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, but I can't say they're definitely going to be fine because, like I say, a lot of the players that they're welcoming back are the players they had last year. So, no, it's, it's, it's mental to be saying, like, it's not over because it isn't. And it's, it reminds me a bit of Havertz in the Chelsea sense of people going, oh, he's not very good, is he? So what? He's made two games. Um but there's a bit of that with Torres, isn't there? Like, there's a bit of, oh, he's not very good. Like, after the the League Cup game the other day when he played through the middle, which was mad. Like, I don't know what Guardiola was trying there, but ultimately, I suppose, let's hope it doesn't matter. Um, but then when he came on against Leicester, he wasn't up to much either. But again, like, it's so early. Like, there's so much time for things to change. Yeah. Um, and let yeah. me, I mean, my positive, I, I suppose my positive then in that sense is that uh, I think of Pellegrini's first season, they lost away at Cardiff in the second game of the season and everybody was was like, well, if, you, if you're giving up three chances to Cardiff like that and you can't defend like that, then there'll be problems. And then they, they uh, long-term, they, they managed to sort it out. So uh, I don't put it past Guardiola not being able to sort it out. I just think, uh, I, I just think there is quite a lot of work for him to do right now. <laughs> Yeah, there is. And I mean, look, we can't talk about it anymore. But And I think it's too early to. But if it doesn't go so well against Leeds or maybe a bit further down the line, um, I don't think we're there yet, but I think a lot of fans will be saying this. And in the same way I mentioned Rodri, I think a lot of fans will be saying we need to have a conversation about Guardiola as well. Uh, I don't think we're there yet, but um, it will... I wouldn't say it wouldn't surprise me, but I can, I can see that eventuality in the in the next few weeks. If things don't get better, then the pressure is going to be on him. Partly yeah. because that's who he is, and partly because, like we say, they've got enough quality players there. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it for this week's Why Always Us. I hope it's been. Um, what's the word? Therapeutic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you've been listening to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us. And to me, David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for just £1. That's by using the code MANCITYPOD. Mm-hmm.